0: Hello, everybody. Welcome. Well, once again, to Vineyard Community Church. Very glad you're with us. As we continue on in the series we started just a couple of weeks ago called From Nothing to Something. From Nothing to Something. The idea from this series comes out of a verse in 1 Peter 2.10, where Peter says, once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. And in this first couple of chapters of First Peter, I think he he really lays down a solid foundation for this journey from nothing to something, and all that it means. And so we are sort of breaking down these passages together over the next uh, season, and we'll be looking at uh, this journey from nothing to something. So far, in the first two weeks, the first week we talked about living hope. Last week we talked about greatly rejoicing, and today we're going to talk about loving Jesus and the salvation of our souls. So that's what we're heading into. That's the intro transition. There's always a bad joke or something silly. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you um, to the person out there and and you know who you are for explaining the word many to me. It means a lot. (laughs) The delayed laugh is the best laugh. (laughs) <laughs> two there's two rules for success. Number 1. Don't tell all you know. Let's roll into the scripture reading. 1 Peter chapter 1. <laughs> uh, really he's got to explain them both. <laughs> all righty. There you go. I had another one, but it's still silly. I decided to drop it, but now I want to do it. If you really want to get noticed, go jogging without moving your arms. Just try it. People will be staring at you. All right, I'm going to not put that one back in tomorrow. That didn't work at all. First Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. <laughs> though, you, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Um, in the beginning, it says, Oh, you have not seen him, you love him. And I just uh, quickly, and I'll, I'll get back to this point later, but I, I want to quickly talk about um, that word love and tell you that um, in the Greek language, there is more than one word for love. Um, there's at least three main ones. There's even a couple other ones I'm not going to get into. But the, when you read the word love... Um, In the Greek, it may be different than what you're reading. We only have one word to translate it in English, and it's love. So the the three main types of love that we are translated, the first one is eros love, which would be love on the physical level. Then there's a phileo love, um, which basically says, well, I'm fond of you, sort of a, a brotherly love. And then there's agape love, which is love on the highest level or a supremely loving and when Peter uses the word love there in, in 1 Peter 8, um, you love him. He's using that agape love, you, a supreme love, the highest love. And Peter says, since you have this highest love for him, even though you haven't seen him, and, 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 you, and you believe in him, and you're filled with this inexpressible and glorious joy that we talked about, um, you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so I'm going to talk more about love at the end of this. But as we hop into this verse, um, I think it's, it's neat. I think really Peter is describing for us what it means to be a follower of, of Jesus. Uh, sort of a, a definition or the, you know, the foundation for Christianity is in these verses. He's, he's telling us what this journey from nothing to something is all about. And he says that now that we are receiving the salvation of our souls... Um, as we love Jesus, believe in him, are filled with joy, that, that this is an amazing thing. And this salvation of our souls, is a, it's sort of a progressive idea, the, the way it's written there. Salvation um, is, is cool because we've, we, if you're in Christ, you've been saved, and you're being saved, and you will be saved. It's this sort of ongoing three-part process that we're involved in that encompasses salvation. And whenever I get a chance, I, just, I, I, I like to just sort of quickly review that concept because as a believer, it's something that, that you should know. And there's three sort of churchy words that go with that concept that we don't get to talk up all the time. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. So those that you may not hear them very often because we don't use them all the time. But um, just, so just quickly, justification is... Um, Uh, It's a pronouncement that that one has been declared, you know, not guilty. Um, You're you're declared right before the Lord. You're pardoned and cleared of any violation. Romans five one. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you come to Jesus, um, you are justified. And the way I like to remember that, it's... just as if I had not sinned which is so amazing when you get involved in this process because that's how God chooses to see you now he sees you in the perfection of his son and that's what it means to be justified you've been declared not guilty when you come to Christ because of what he's done on the cross he's paid the price it was fully his work that uh, took care of all of this his shed blood and his death for the forgiveness of our sins because of that um, you when you come to to Christ in faith you're justified just as if I had not sinned that's an amazing deal and so that's happened so so when when you came to Christ in your salvation that that was the that was an amazing thing that happened right away now uh, so we've been saved we're being saved what does that mean that's where this idea of sanctification comes in Sanctification is the uh, ongoing process, a continual process where the Holy Spirit is working in us to change us to be more more like Jesus. And and so it's it's ongoing. We had a big series about this not that long ago. Colossians 3.10, we've put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And so we come to Christ and our relationship is restored because we've been justified and God is relating to us through the perfection of his son which is really cool and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us and the Holy Spirit begins this work this process of sanctification in us and as we yield to him in these areas of our lives he, he changes us he, we, we, he's, we cooperate with him and um, we are changed throughout the course of our lives and, and so... Sanctification is ongoing uh, as long as you are breathing and walking with Christ. The Holy Spirit is at work with you, and you're changing. And I hope you can see that. Uh, My hope is that you can look back. Um, If you've walked with Jesus a long time, you can see a whole lot of things that he's done. If you've just started, you can already see that change is underway. And uh, he continually changes us. And that's as we learn to cooperate with him. And You know, my own life, he he's you know there was in my immediate journey he worked on a lot of things right away and now he's still working on things and and the things that I didn't cooperate with fully <laughs> pop right back into the picture and he has me work on them again and if I cooperate fully he really pushes me along and that's cool and if not then they come right back again and uh, so I don't know about you but I'm a slow learner in some areas but he's got lots of patience with me and great mercy and keeps on keeps on the process so so we've been justified, we've been saved, we're being saved, sanctified, and we will be saved. And this is the idea of being glorified, glorification. That's the completion of our Christian life. Um, and it's at the end of the sanctification process. And that happens either when we go to be with him or he comes to get us, whichever one of those is going to happen first. At that point in time, um, we're glorified. Philippians 3.21 says who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. That's pretty cool, right? So so that's going to happen. We have that to look forward to. So we've justified. We're reconciled to God right now. So cool. Amazing when you think about it. He, him de- relating to us in the perfection of his son, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we're being sanctified, he's at work with us, that he'll carry on to completion, until the time when we're with him, or he comes to get us, however that works, whichever way that looks, and then we'll be glorified, new bodies, newly created body, bodies, uh, that's going to be really cool, um, for, for you know, I think about, uh, I was talking to my f- friend the other day, Tom, and um, we're about the same age, and we both do stuff, I mean, I exercise, I run, and I, I try and stay moving and fit. Um, but if I've been in a car for any length of time, my body gets stiff. And, and I, I, when I come out of the car, I feel 40 years older than I actually am. And we both started to laugh because he, he said the same thing. And he said he always feels like Tim Conway and Carol Burnett. Do you remember that? It's exactly how I feel when I get out of the car after I've been in there. I, I'm going like this. And I'm trying. I, like if we stop at a rest stop or something, you know how this goes? My wife hops out, you know, and she just, she's going, what's wrong with you? And she's like half embarrassed because I'm, I'm coming, honey. Uh. <laughs> so I say all that to say a new body is going to be cool. It's going to work. So, we're receiving the salvation of our souls in j- just what we talked about, and and Peter says, you know, and it's in that whole process because we have that going on. You know, we're loving him and we're trusting him and we're filled with joy. That's the verse that we looked at today. So, I have three questions that I want us to look at together in this last bit of time. Question number one: Do you trust Jesus? Because it said we're loving him, trusting him. Feel what you want. Do you trust Jesus? Um, a couple of weeks ago, I, we talked about living hope. And I said that this biblical hope isn't sort of the worldly hope we're used to. I hope, you know, my team wins or, you know, something that we would like to see happen, but we don't have any confidence in. That this living hope that we have is based in the idea that God is faithful to his promises. And because he's done what he said he was going to do, we have this trust in him that he'll continue to do that in our lives, and, and so because you know, we can trust him, and the question, and all three of these questions there are, are they're questions I want you to reflect on over the course of this week, do you trust him, do you really trust him, do you, do you, um, are you settled in the fact that he's got you, and that he's with you, and that he's for you, and even in the midst of situations, do you know that, that you can trust him? One of my favorite verses, I tell you this verse, you know, all the time if you come here because I think it's important for us to know. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And and see, to me, that verse is about trust and and whenever I start to get anxious whenever I start to get worried whenever I start to feel a little undone and I've told you that can happen at a phone call or a text message or a headline or something from the point in time that I allow myself to stay anxious or worried until I get back to this verse is is time lost it's the the way I look at it now It's, it's, it's time I let the enemy steal from me and it's a trust issue it's always a trust issue and, and I have to think about the fact that I know that I can trust him it may not go a situation the way I want it's not a guarantee that, that I'm not going to have to deal with difficult things but he's got me and he always will and he's going to see me through whatever's happening and whatever that looks like, I can trust him and and this walk, this, this life really is learning about trusting him more and more and, and so I think it's a great question to reflect on this week. Do you trust him? And, and hopefully the answer to that is yes. And then, and then, well, how much? And is that trust developing? And is that trust growing? And, and uh, how are you doing with it? These are really powerful questions. And Peter includes them in this journey. Because, you know, he said those things. You love him, you believe in him, and you're filled with joy in him. And so do you believe? Do you trust? Are you, are you able to just say, you know what, God... I know you've got it. Now, and let me tell you right off the bat, I'm not standing, I don't have it perfectly, but it's growing, and it's that time from situations to this verse, and, and shortening that time, I think we find life. So I want you to think about that this week. Second thing I want you to consider this week, do you enjoy Jesus? Isn't that a great question? Do you enjoy Jesus? Now, some people are going to look and go, what do you mean? I didn't know I could, or I didn't know I was supposed to. And I get sad with that because I think a lot of people have sort of been taught or have come to believe that that um, this, this isn't a really sort of happy thing that we're in. That now that I'm a Christian, that means, you know, I got to get real serious and uh, I got to put my nose to the grindstone and, you know, we're not really going to have fun any longer. We're just going to we're just going to kind of press along until Jesus comes back and, and whatever that looks like and I think people miss it because you know last week the whole thing that I talked about was greatly rejoicing and another one of my favorite verses is Philippians four four. I like that fourth chapter of Philippians and it says rejoice in the Lord always again I say rejoice Paul was making a point so, so the idea in rejoice is being joy filled it's, it's this is something that should be a, a part of the life of a believer. That, that we should be experiencing joy in our lives. That this life, this journey from, from nothing to something, this whole life of a believer is to be enjoyed, not endured. And too many people think it's an endurance thing. And they're not joyful. You know, when the, when the, when the church comes together, we're very blessed here. Because we experience this often, you know, and, and most people get this. When the church comes together, it's a celebration. You know, and in, in a lot of the things that I have out there, I put, you know, the celebrations are at these times rather than the services are. Because some people get the idea of a service as being a very sort of, but, but we're here to celebrate. I mean, Wow. Just just the things I talked about in our salvation should be a, a, a constant source of celebration. Justified. How, how, to, be, to be set in right order with God because of what Jesus has done and to be seen, you know, and perceived by God through the righteous, the perfection of his son, as, uh, like if we'd never... Just that ought to just set you free every time you think about it. And then the Holy Spirit, God, comes and dwells in us. What a deal that is and, and lives in us. This is not something we have to endure. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And that at some point when, when we're done, um, we get all new stuff. Just that ought to just, you know, the, the, it's like, yes. Paul said, you know, everything here, there's some difficult stuff, but it's temporary. You got to remember that. And so if you're trusting him, then, then we, can, we can begin to enjoy this life. The way that we're supposed to. John 10 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now he's come full, an abundant life, now and forever. The enemy's the one who wants you to think that you just have to endure this thing. And and so, you know, I think it's a great question. Do you enjoy Jesus? Is, is it something that you enjoy? This relationship you have with him is it, is to be enjoyed. And, and you know if you're not enjoying it it's another good sort of thing to think about why? because you should be see it's not a again don't, this is a broken world, fallen planet I talked about that you know last week before I got into this I know that there's issues but ultimately and overall you should be enjoying this life that you have in Christ third and last point do you love Jesus? this is a great question and I really want you to think about it because I think the quick answer is yes, of course, of course I love Jesus, and Jesus loves me. That's we know that, and He says it over and over again. Jesus loves me. There's a lot of songs about it. Of course, and, and we might just think, yeah, of course. But I think we have to think about it. Um, and and I think Peter is the perfect person to ask or to tell us about what this means because Jesus asked him that question directly. Do you remember that? I'm going to get into it. The only person I can find that Jesus ever asked that question, do you love me? Asked him three times, as a matter of fact. Pretty intense. But, but see, some people think, well, this loving Jesus, the way I prove that is by the stuff that I do. And there's a verse that people get, I think, a little mixed up sometimes. John 14:15, where Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. So some people think that, that loving Jesus is doing what he said. So if you do what he said, then, then, you, then you love Jesus. But see, it's deeper than that. It's, it has to do with the heart and the affections. Um, so if you look at that verse and that's how you read it, you're, you're missing it because what that actually verse is actually saying is this. It says, if you love me, then you would do these things. Not because you do these things, that means that you love me. Um, loving Jesus is is deep and foundational and transformative and what it means is that you treasure him above all things and then because of that love treasuring of him because he's the highest love in your life then you do what he what he commands what he what he tells you to do see it's it's not well I'm doing these things so that means that I love Jesus it's the other way around and and I just I'm going to quickly run through this story with Peter when he's asked this question it's in John 21 I've got to read you quite a few verses because I need to set the story up, but it's okay. Beginning in verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathanael from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter sold them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. That night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught, Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was uh, not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. So this is after the crucifixion, resurrection. They've encountered Jesus a few times, but everything's different. And and what's happened here is Peter has returned to Galilee with some of the other disciples. And he says, look, I'm going fishing. It's what he knows. And it's almost like... I, I'm, my time as a disciple's over I've denied the Lord anyway I'm going back to what I know and, and so you know that's three years before he'd been called from the nets to become a fisher of men an exciting three years had happened um, almost you know probably like a dream and now it's, now, now it's he said okay back to reality I'm going fishing so out they go and a lot of the guys were fishermen they go with Peter they figure well that's the deal now we're going back to what we used to do and they didn't catch anything frustrating for a fisherman not to catch anything been fishing all night morning time comes guy on the beach they're not sure who it is He say hey you catch anything <laughs> like, no toss your net back out on the other side like really that's going to make a difference but they do it big haul of fish and uh, they um, they catch this big fish it's 153 fish in there uh, and uh, so now remember, Peter had previously said, though everybody might deny you, I never will. Well, we know that he did. And Jesus is going to ask that question. I said, do you, do you love me three times? I, I think it's, and I know it's restorative, but the questions are, are fascinating. Let me read it real quick. When they had finished eating, I'm in verse 15 to 21. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Here's what's happening, though, in that dialogue. It's interesting, and I'm going to get back to the translated words that I talked about for love earlier. Jesus starts that first time, and Jesus says to Peter, do you love me supremely? do you agape me? And then he says more than these. Two things he could have been talking about. Either he could have been talking about the fishing and the fish and and the traps and all this commercial enterprise and everything. Could have been talking about that. Or he could have been talking about the disciples because remember Peter had said, even if all these guys leave, I never will. But he, he was like the worst one. <laughs> and he's stuck in that. And when when Peter says, Peter's reply is, Jesus, you know I'm fond of you. He doesn't hit him back with the supreme love. He hits him back with the phileo love. You know I'm fond of you, Jesus. And so Jesus asks him a second time, do you love me supremely above everything else? And Peter again says, oh man, you know how fond I am of you. And so the third time Jesus says, really, that's it? Are you fond of me? And And Peter's hurt this time because... He, that's what he's saying, and everybody knows what's happening. He's just saying, "Yeah okay, I'm fond of you and and see if 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 Jesus was peter's treasure at that point, he wouldn't have gone fishing and I don't think he can answer the question because he's standing in the midst of you're not the most important thing in my life and and it, it, the realization just sort of hits him uh and and Jesus isn't being mean to Peter. Jesus is restoring Peter. The three times, the whole thing. But, but what he's doing is showing him, look, you're missing out. And, and, and part of you has been missing out because I'm not at the spot where I should be in your life. You've been, you know, you've been here for three years and you've, you've said the right stuff and you've seen amazing things. But, but this is where I need to be this in your life. And you got me down here sort of equal to the fish. And Peter has to think about it. And, and Peter leaves that encounter and, and what we know is a few weeks later Peter's figured it out because when Pentecost happens just a very short period of time later, uh, later and the spirit of God falls and, and, and all these things are happening and people are trying to persecute the disciples it's Peter that stands up and preaches a gospel message that adds thousands to the church it's Peter that says, uh, gets up there and says you gotta, you gotta know him you gotta love him and when he tells us this and later on, he's saying, Look, you guys love him like that. You believe in him. And, and you, you're finding life and joy in him. And it's, you're experiencing the salvation of your souls in the process. So, this whole thing, Christianity, this walk with Jesus, this journey from nothing to something, it's, it's not sort of most deeply or, or most fundamentally decisions of the will. That comes l- later and over time. Deeply and most fundamentally, Christianity, this life with Christ, is a new birth. It's a deep, profound transformation of what we treasure and what we love. And that's where we find life. And I just want to encourage you, love Jesus all in. So think about those questions this week. I think they're really helpful. Do you, do you trust him? You know, how are you doing with that? Do you enjoy Jesus? Do you love him supremely? Or are you just really fond of him? It's not bad being fond of Jesus, but it's not where you find life. He wants you to love him all in. All right, I went a little over time, so I'm going to stop. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. Appreciate you doing that. If you need prayer, go to the website. There's a prayer page. We will pray for you. Other than that, come and see us soon. And uh, God bless you.